1: Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Friday. We are here. We made it. The weekend is here. I'm so excited for the weekend. Actually, my weekend started last night. Uh, I went to a terrific event last night that has me fired up, excited, happy, in a good mood. We'll, we'll get it, you know, you know what? No, we'll get into it right now. I went to uh, John Rich. I went to his house here in uh, Nashville and got to meet and got to listen to uh, Lauren Bulbert, a member of the house uh, from Colorado. I got to listen to her uh, speak last night. Uh, got to, you know, hang out with some cool people. Uh, and her speech, was terrific. And it was energizing. And to hear a politician talk about God, talk about Jesus, talk about the Constitution, has me fired up. This is no different than uh, in Virginia when I kept talking about Glenn Youngkin and Winsome Sears and... and... You know, these politicians need to start leaning into their faith and leaning into a biblical understanding of what's going on in the world and here in America. I got to hear it firsthand last night from Lauren Bulbert, Lauren and it was awesome. It was awesome. I've, I, you guys know I've been very reluctant to get involved in politics. Uh, I think, you know, politicians uh, tend to be phony. And, and unreliable, and they've turned away from God. And I'm getting excited because I'm, I'm seeing some politicians turn to God, and I heard it straight from Lauren, Bur- Lauren Bolbert's mouth last night, someone unafraid to connect what's going on in America to our abandonment of a biblical worldview. It's awesome last night. And put, put that picture back up again. Uh, the other thing I loved about meeting Lauren is I've always fantasized about being six foot five, and uh, she made me feel six foot five. (laughs) Lauren's not the tallest person, but uh, big things come in tiny packages, and man, she was powerful last night and has me fired up about today's show. Today's show is gonna be awesome. Uh, Steve Kim's gonna be here. Uh, Delano Squires is gonna be here. Royce White's gonna be here. We're gonna talk about Russell Westbrook and what happened uh, with, with him last night with the Lakers. And, and with Delano, uh, we'll end the show talking about Killer Mike and a hit piece that the Huffington Post has done on Killer Mike. Killer Mike's the rapper Uh, who's a bit of a socialist, a Bernie supporter. But I think this guy is starting to turn the corner and kind of get red pilled. And so we'll talk about that with Delano. Uh, But but I'm still on a high from last night going to this event. And oh, that's the other thing I, I wanted to mention to you guys. I met the founder, the owner of Patriot Mobile last night. He was there. Glenn Story. We had an awesome conversation about Patriot Mobile. And why, And Glenn gave me his card and he's gonna help, because I've been trying to get a Patriot Mobile phone and, and I'm now definitely gonna get one after talking and spending time with Glenn's story and hearing the whole Patriot Mobile story and just how committed they are to supporting those of us with a biblical worldview. It was awesome meeting Glenn's story, uh, Glenn story, hearing the Patriot Mobile story. it—it it, Look, I was already a supporter, but getting to spend time with the founder and getting to get a better understanding of his worldview and why he's doing what he's doing with Patriot Mobile and how he's supporting people like Lauren Bulbert, it just has me even more fired up and more excited about Patriot Mobile and their commitment, not just to disrupting the cell phone industry, but supporting our kids and using the money that they're making to support causes that make America better. Again, look at what they did in Texas uh, when things were going on, their, their reaction to what was happening in Texas in multiple school systems and how they jumped in and were on the right side of that issue. Patriot Mobile is on our team. They know the left is losing their mind. They're trying to support those of us that want a normal America, that support the nuclear family, that support Christian conservative values. This is a Christian conservative mobile phone provider. It's a force for conservative values. Their coverage is great. Their values are great. You all need to get on board with Patriot Mobile. And here's how you do it. Go to PatriotMobile.com. Uh, slash Jason Whitlock, I'm sorry, just Jason, you don't need to add to Whitlock, patriotmobile.com slash Jason, or you can just call 972-PATRIOT, get free activation with the offer code Jason. Very simple, patriotmobile.com slash Jason, you can call 972-PATRIOT and use my free activation code Jason. All you got to know is my first name, Jason. You get a free activation code. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason or call uh, 972-PATRIOT. I have personally met the founder, personally understand his values and what he's involved in. He supports us. I'm switching. When you see me on Monday, I'll be using a Patriot mobile phone. When you see me on Monday, I'll be using a Patriot mobile phone. Don't leave me out there all by myself. Let's Patriot mobile together, talk to each other on a phone line and system that supports our values. We have to have our own economy, people that believe in what we believe in, God, Jesus, the Constitution, freedom. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason. Or use my promo code to get free activation, Jason. All right, Uh, done that. Now I want to get into our conversation and help you guys uh, get you up to date on what happened last night, an incredible basketball game last night in the NBA that has ramifications and a story and a narrative that uh, is important and is right on message. Uh, With what I like to talk about and say on this show about the impact of social media. I got I'm getting hot with this jacket on. Let me unzip here and get a little air flowing in here. Uh, Anyway, what happened last night with Russell Westbrook and the Los Angeles Lakers is right on target with what I've been talking about for a long time. What's going on with athletes and social media? And how it's poisoning their minds and how it's disrupting their ability to perform. Russell Westbrook, in my view, is basketball's version of Antonio Brown. And to, it's a different version, he's not as stupid as Antonio Brown. He doesn't have all the off-court, off-field issues as Antonio Brown, but social media has scrambled his brain. I started talking about this with uh, Antonio Brown when he tried to live stream Facebook Live in the locker room after a playoff game. I started like, oh my God, this guy's living for social media. There's a problem here, a major problem, and things just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse for Antonio Brown as things kept Unfolding in his life. I'm seeing the exact same thing and it's all transpiring on the court with Russell Westbrook He can't Think he can't compete. He can't perform Without all of his thoughts being consumed with the outside noise Are fans calling me Westbrook? Are there going to be memes about me after the game? Uh, is Skip Bayless going to say something on his show that's going to get retweeted and said and and I got to get upset about? He can't focus on himself and his job because he's thinking about everything else and all of it is connected to social media. All of it. So let's he went 0 for 11 last night. Let's let's. Breakdown down he, after. Now, let's start with his performance on the court. There's a play I want to show you guys that kind of crystallizes everything that happened to Russell Westbrook last night. He, he goes 0 for 11 from the field. The Lakers lose to the Clippers. Uh, he's clearly the talk after the game. Let's watch this play. It's, it's like a 25, 30-second clip of Russell Westbrook imploding on the court and doing what Westbrook now does.
2: Seven rebounds, six assists, and here he goes. Kennard is on him. Shot clock at nine. Westbrook, oh of nine, driving on Zubats. Shot clock at five. Westbrook, shot clock at two. Westbrook at one.
3: It was
1: That's Russell Westbrook. He has no game plan. He doesn't know what he's doing on the court. He gets captured, basically, by a defender. Gets forced into a bad shot. At that point, he's 0 for 9, now he's 0 for 10. The, and here's the other part that's going on. People are caping up for him. I think Reggie Miller at some point last night, because Lakers fans are so upset with Russell Westbrook, and they can see so clearly that he's discombobulated. He's, the, the other analogy I've made is like, Russell Westbrook is, if any of you older people remember Steve Sachs, I think the second baseman for the Los Angeles Dollar Dodgers, that couldn't throw to first base. Could not throw the first base. It ended up ruining his career. That's who Russell Westbrook is. It's so in his head. He's got the yips like a golfer. He can't throw the first base like Steve Sachs. But people are caping up for him. Reggie Miller last night, we we don't have this clip, but at some point Reggie Miller last night said, oh my God, how can he perform in this toxic environment? How can he perform? Uh, play when the Lakers fans because they were gasping when Russell Westbrook would get ready to shoot you know people would shout no or they would gasp you could hear it it was audible like everybody in that building knew like no Russell don't shoot oh my god here goes Russell shoot and Reggie Miller is blaming the fans and the toxic environment so that little clip we played is that basically summarizes Westbrook's night on the court. After the game, Russell Westbrook is in such a state of delusion, denial, discombobulation. He goes 0 for 11. I think, you know, he had two points, maybe four or five steals, a few assists. He had a horrible game. He gets asked about it after the game. <laughs> yeah, I had a solid performance. Play the clip.
2: As we're in it to the very end, what are some of the things you can point at for the reasons why you didn't come out on top?
4: Uh, not sure. Not one particular reason. Fault. Competed. Uh,
2: how about you personally? How would you assess your game tonight?
0: Um, solid. Yeah, solid. Um, played hard. That's <laughs> you can ask for. Um, moving on to the next one. Darvin just said, whoever it is, if the team's not Probably making shots, fire. keep shooting them. Is that a, a mindset everyone can adopt?
4: Um, I believe so. Russ, you, you mentioned the, the keep shooting mindset in this team, and, and it, it's not just you. There are a lot of guys that are missing shots right now. Are you seeing the misses affect confidence? Are they affecting your confidence at all? No, because he keep telling me to shoot. And I missed a few <laughs> shots. On a I appreciate set, set. that. On a set. For real. What's What's up? Up? For real. They're
1: dapping each other up. They just got beat. And again, there's a, there's a delusion that they want everybody to participate in. They think that will make it better. It's no different. What that would look like, what just happened there, would be me showing
3: up at fat
1: camp and, and, and someone saying, hey, Jay, you know, you're 360 pounds. and and so asking about my performance at a buffet, it was solid, it was solid. Yeah, and and then some other fat guy said, yeah, you kept telling me to get more wings. And us dapping each other up, there's like a delusion that we want people to exist in. We wanna create a bubble of positive reinforcement regardless of what's going on with them. It's not, again, it's like the same people, that's the same people that uh, look at uh, Lizzo running around in a thong a damn near 400 pounds and saying body positivity. Th- that's the kind of bubble wrapped world we're creating for people so they can live in denial about their problems. Yeah, Russell kept telling me to shoot. Yeah, I had a solid game. And uh, this, this fake make-believe matrix world where you can go 0 for 11, when you can be a problem for the Lakers all of last year and a clear problem, they're starting the season off 0-2. Russell Westbrook is the problem. Again, I'm not asking his teammate there to take a dump on him, but just shut up. And Russell Westbrook needs to snap out of his delusion and say, you know what, I got to shoot better, I got to play better, I got to get in a rhythm. That's not me. That's not who I am. 0 for 11 I I hurt this team. He needs to be living in that headspace. But we don't allow that now. We lie to everybody. We lie and tell everybody, oh, no, Jason, (laughs) you're perfectly healthy at 360 pounds. You look good, bro, keep it up. That's what we do. Kevin Durant, former teammate, friend of Russell Westbrook, feeling sorry for Russell Westbrook. And so we think that lying to people sets them free or moves them in a better direction. So listen to Kevin Durant lie to about Russell Westbrook.
4: The Lakers got a big microscope on them, so you got to be on point every time. You know, so if, if Russell misses a layup, it's going to be <laughs> yeah. you know, blowing out of proportion. <laughs> if he miss a three, he might be five for seven though. But he missed yeah. those two shots though. You know what I'm saying? I understand that it's certain points where you don't play well and people are, you are open to criticism when you don't play well. Uh, we get that, but it, it's 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 tip, It's like now you, you, you're making him the buddy of jokes now. It's like, yeah. it's it's going to a point where it's like, all right, I get the criticism for what he did that night, but now it's starting to reach a different level of some shit that I don't under, yeah. understand right now. So hopefully you just keep hooping and block all that noise out and prove very, Prove to everybody that you know they wrong about how they feel about this game, and they mesh over there in L.A. But when we play them, I hope they play shitty. But <laughs> yeah, I yeah, hope yeah. all that stuff works out because I hate I hate how they talk. The dialogue around our game is just so toxic at this point. Now I, you know I get criticism, but it's starting to make t- turn into something else right now.
1: There is tiny kernels of truth in what Kevin Durant is saying but there's also a lot of B.S. in what Kevin Durant is saying. This game is so toxic. It's so There's a lot of B.S. around our, our game, and I can't deal with it, and it, it's just so toxic. Hey, man, y'all making $40, $50 million a year. You got shoe contracts paying you the same kind of money. Nobody's feeling sorry for you. D- does anybody, Kevin Durant maybe hasn't lived long enough. You remember the kid Steve Bartman? with the the fan in the stands at that Chicago Cubs World Series game playoff game interfered with the ball and the whole world rained down on him. Nobody, Nobody threw a pity party for Steve Bartman. Remember Bill Buckner flubbing a ball in a World Series game for the Red Sox and the world caving in on him. What's going on with Russell Westbrook is no harsher than that. It's just, again, we're so sensitive now. And we're so caught up in social media. This whole brand building thing that you guys have all bought into and why you're captured by uh, social media because you're chasing money and all your handlers think it's important that you're on social media and you've Adopted the worldview that that is your reality. What's going on on social media? Don't blame us Blame your handlers blame yourself for participating Blame yourself for not being strong enough to realize that that garbage on social media isn't reality It's not the real world Finally I want to show you this clip and again this is how discombobulated and just off his square, we like to say, Russell Westbrook is. After the game, he's walking off the court. A fan hollers, you suck. Russell Westbrook turns back around to confront the fan. And according to everybody, he says, say it to my face. The dude walked down and said it to his face. But you know how long fans have been yelling at athletes as they walk off the field? That's been going on forever in all sports. That's part of the price of being a man in the arena. You are going to have hecklers. If you're not man enough to ignore them, don't blame me, don't blame the fans, don't blame social media. That's a you problem. You're not built for this. And that's my entire pro- It connects to what I was telling y'all yesterday, what LeBron James has done to sports and how he has made fans and everybody evaluate athletes, not just by their on-court performance, but all these other things. They want to be more than an athlete. And so now you've brought in other opinions and other thoughts and a different level of derision and disparagement. And again, this connects the whole Kevin Durant, oh, things have just gotten so toxic and things are... You've done it. You wanted to be more than an athlete, or you sat quiet as LeBron James promoted that nonsense. And now you're wondering why there's more vitriol spewed at you? When when your league, when you force your league to paint Black Lives Matter on the court, you've taken a harsh political position. There will be blowback when everybody in your league is woke, and all the players want the owners fired because the owners said this word or that word or, you know, you've put yourself in the crosshairs. I don't want to hear this whining and complaining now that the heat in the kitchen is too hot. Man up. Man up. That's Russell Westbrook is weak. He's a beta He runs around picking fights with fans. He lo- accused Utah Jazz fans without any evidence. Oh, they racist, and they did X, Y, and Z, and it's Utah, so of course they have to be racist. He did that. He created his own inferno, his own toxic environment. And because none of the NBA players were man enough to say, hey, Russ, cut it out. Hey, Russ, that's unfair to those fans. Hey, Russ, that's unfair to Utah. None of y'all are man enough to call each other out. Hey, hey LeBron, this whole more than an athlete thing. That's stupid. You barely got out of high school. You could barely read when you got out of high school. No one cares about you being more than an athlete. You're not more than an athlete. I take that back. That's a little harsh. But again, this whole scale, you're not a TV producer. You're not a talk show host. You're not a public intellectual. You're someone that can dunk a basketball, and you were born with some genetic gifts that make you an awesome athlete. But this burden of being more than an athlete you placed on all of us is killing all of us. <sighs> Steve, I'm, I'm sorry for making you wait this long uh, to get in here. I didn't, Steve and I know you're chomping at the bit to get in here, but I want you to wait a little bit longer because I want to open up a little bit more space for you here because I know I I want your thoughts. I know you're going to be interested on this. You're a longtime Lakers fan, Uh, but I got to tell you guys about, before I get to Steve, I want to tell you about my great friends over at Preborn. Almost one out of every five Americans never have a chance to live outside the womb because of abortion. It's the leading cause of infant death in the world. Over 63 million babies have been aborted just since Roe v. Wade was enacted, and a lot more will be aborted in its wake. The Ministry of Preborn and Blaze Media, we're partnering to help rescue 50,000 babies from abortion in 2022. We're working to put Planned Parenthood out of business by providing free ultrasounds to expecting mothers. 80% of the time, hearing that baby's heartbeat is enough to convince the mother to keep her baby. And when she chooses life, guess who steps in? Preborn. Provides all the maternity and baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, and much more free of charge. That's their level of commitment to the preservation of life. Preborn has a passion to save unborn babies from abortion and see women come to Christ. Over the past 15 years, preborn Centers have counseled nearly 500,000 expecting mothers and has saved nearly 200,000 babies lives. Will you help rescue babies' lives? To donate, dial pound two fifty and say the keyword "baby." That's pound two fifty, keyword "baby." Or you can do like how I like to do. When I cough up my money for preborn, I go to preborn.com/slash/fearless. You can do that as well. You guys know I love preborn. You guys know it's I'm very passionate about this issue. Be good fearless soldiers. Support preborn. All right. Now be good fearless soldiers. And listen to our main man, the Korean co-sell, help me unpack the Russell Westbrook uh, topic. Uh, Steve, uh, let's start here. You feel sorry? Do you feel sorry for Russell Westbrook?
3: (laughs) Whitlock, please. This is the most interesting part of the Lakers season. I mean, I I spoke yesterday about the apathy of the Lakers fans. I think it's trying to downright antipathy now. And I was thinking about this. As you showed those clips, there have been two famous bricklayers in sports history. First was Jerry Rice's father, right? You heard the stories about Jerry Rice going out uh, to his job uh, during summer days, and his dad would drop him bricks, and he became the greatest wide receiver of all time, really softened those hands. And then it's Russell. I I mean, honestly, if China ever wants to renovate that great wall, send him over he's got you. If we ever get a Republican back in charge of our our borders, send Russell. Trust me, we will stop that foreign migration real fast. It's ridiculous. And the one thing about Russell Westbrook is, even at his peak, I always thought it was a lot of empty calories. I I, I hate to sound arrogant, but I'm going to go there. I always judged a person's basketball intellect, if, by, if you thought Russell Westbrook was actually great and that triple-double seasons were something to be celebrated, because it was, to me, if you really thought it was amazing and, my God, this is so great, you really didn't know basketball because if you actually watched the games, for him, less would have been more. What Russell Westbrook's legacy is going to be on the history of basketball, he has lessened the impact and the importance of triple-doubles. He really has. Look at the no- amount of triple-doubles that he's had throughout his career. Compare him to Magic. Does that make him better than Magic in any way? Uh, James Worthy, the great big game James Worthy, in his career, believe it or not, Jason had one triple-double. You know what game that was? Game seven of the 1988 finals against an incredible Detroit Pistons team where he did it all and where he earned the name from Francis Dale Chick Hearn, Big game James Worthy. So to me, when you look at him, you kind of say to yourself, what does all this mean? Um, I think there's an issue with the Laker fans now. They are starting to go to games to hate watch. And you never want that from your home fans. And Jason, you talked to me about, you asked about the Laker fans ever had this feeling towards a player. I do remember one time when we blew blew our own because we're generally pretty positive. I remember when Kwame Brown... Um, ended up injuring, I believe, uh, Andrew Bynum in practice. And then something else happened. And there's this one game where every time he got the ball, he fumbled it away like Edward Scissorhands, and the fans started to boo every time he got the ball. Now, two days later, he got traded as part of a package for Pau Gasol. And But I remember thinking, wow, Laker fans have never treated their own like this. Even during the, the years post-Magic, when he suddenly had to retire, before the 91-92 season, and there was some mediocre basketball. So Dale Threat was our guard, Anthony Pig Miller, Antonio Harvey, old Byron Scott, old James Worthy. But we knew, like, that's our team. We like them. There is now this feeling that the Lakers are no longer our team. We got to sit through this. We got to sit through LeBron's championship run towards a scoring title, maybe no playoffs. And now we got to r- watch Russell Westbrook. And you know why that fan had no problems telling Russell Westbrook to his face that he sucked? Because he knew that if Russell Westbrook threw a punch, he'd probably miss that also. So, yeah, this is bad. Not not good at all for us Lakers. At all. Not at all.
1: What do you think of my contention that this social media environment oh. plays a role in the undoing of Russell Westbrook. Because I think what's going on with Russell Westbrook is in his head. And I think it's been that way for a long time, that social media and, and the, its impact on media. Russell Westbrook takes the court, and he's thinking, I wonder what Charles Barkley's going to say afterwards. I wonder if these if Skip Bates is going to call me Westbrook. I wonder what memes are going to be out there. He's thinking about all of this other stuff, and I think it's it's a reflection of what Twitter has done to the conversation around sports.
3: Okay, to dive into that, let me unpack all of that. Once again, Charles Barkley was the most entertaining part of the NBA night on Thursday. Bottom line. Second of all, look. I get where you're going with the comparisons to Antonio Brown. I think it's a little bit far-fetched. Until we see Westbrook showing off his flagpole in a pool in Dubai, I'm not going to go there yet, but I see (laughs) what you're saying. But but this started a couple of years ago when Westbrook started putting on skirts and dresses on the NBA runway to his locker room, and I'm thinking to myself, are you here to play the game of basketball? Yeah, look at that. Oh, jeez. Or... Are you here to build your brand? You know, I don't know. Again, I'm old school. I'm unapologetic about it. Get this. I want my athletes to actually focus on the actual game. I know it's a novel concept, but right there to me shows me maybe basketball is not as important as it needs to be for him. Um, The other thing is, and they're complicit. The media is soft. And so much of the NBA media, maybe the general media uh, at large in sports, is so much about access that if you come at a player too honestly, if there's such a thing, you get shut off from that player. He doesn't want to give you a sound bite, He blows you off. And these guys get their feelings hurt. And my view is this. The old school writers would turn that into a joke. Our guy, TJ Simers, used to love players getting combative with them because you know why? He realized, great, you just gave me a column. I'm going to make a whole column on you blowing me off. And then all of a sudden you shame the guy. I've learned that in boxing. I, I think it's the greatest thing when a guy hates me or a fight doesn't happen. I think, oh, this is great material. It actually makes it more fun. But a lot of these media members are so soft that they don't want to hold anyone accountable. And, and as for Kevin Durant, hey, hey, Kevin, lay back. You you couldn't be more wrong about this situation And when Reggie Miller says, the toxicity, hey, Reg, I love you, Reg. You're a Riverside guy, one of my favorite UCLA Bruins ever, okay? The toxicity is Russell Westbrook. That's the reality, okay? There's never been a great player that I know of that, let's say, shoots 55%, averaging 28 boards, 10 assists, and a couple of rebounds. But they've never booed him by saying, boy, that guy's kind of toxic. Give me a break. We have to be honest about this. Russell Westbrook's game never evolved. He's kind of like that athletic quarterback that could do all the flashy things, but never learned how to really operate within the pocket as his athleticism eroded. And you showed that clip. Jason, he's full-blown full Ben Simmons now. That he actually, from a basketball standpoint, you flip the ball, you flip the ball, you skip it. And all of a sudden, there's an open jump shot. You know what's worse than a selfish player that shoots too much is a player that never shoots because he's absolutely scared because if that happens, it disrupts the offense. Because by the time they get the ball and they want to do anything, if they turn down a wide-open shot to that nature, here's the problem. you got to reset that whole offense, and you only have 24 seconds to shoot in the NBA. This is a real problem, and, and I would I've, we've never really gotten to know this whose fault is it for Westbrook being brought to the Lakers? Is it truly Rob Palenka or is it the LeBron James faction? Because they, I'm just telling you, they really made a mistake here because you look at that team, the way it's constructed, Jason, there's not nearly enough shooting for this version of the NBA.
1: I wonder, I'll go Game of Thrones here. I wonder if LeBron (laughs) didn't bring Russell Westbrook there to be the scapegoat that LeBron knew, like, you know, we're really not going to be championship huh. uh, year in and year out. And so I'll bring Westbrook in, and he'll be the scapegoat, and I'll, I'll you know, everything will get blamed on Russell Westbrook. I,
3: I'm i going to disagree with that because LeBron still wants to win. He, he does realize that part of his legacy, whether it's fair or not, is how many championships – Is he going to win compared to men like Kobe Bean Bryant and certainly Michael Jordan? And he needs to win. And if it's just going to be about scoring and padding stats, I think there's two priorities here with LeBron. Number one, to win another title or two. I'll be honest, that doesn't look like it's in the card. So the fallback is, okay, let me just score a lot of points and pass Kareem. But, no, I don't think there's a there was this deep Machiavellian plot. Let me just tank everything by bringing in Russell Westbrook. And also with Russell Westbrook, look, I wonder, would he be better off in a smaller market, maybe a lesser-profile city, and being a really good energy guy off the bench? Because, look, he still plays extremely hard, but he played hard to a point where it was reckless. And that's the thing that got me about Kevin Durant uh, playing the violin for Westbrook, AKD, you left Oklahoma city for a reason or a couple of them. One of them was that guy didn't know when to just shove it into you in playoff situations. Give me a break.
1: Steve, I want to play or show you a series of memes uh, related to Russell Westbrook. And we're gonna, I wanna decide which, I know which one I think is the best, and there was a lot of good ones. Uh, But I I wanna hear your thoughts. Let's start with uh, the first one, Uh, meme, Uh, (laughs) Brody Builder. Uh, That's pretty good. Uh, Like that one. All right, let's move on to number two. Uh, (laughs) This is what Tupac would look like if, If, if Russell Westbrook was the shooter, basically he'd be a 55 year old man. Uh, <laughs> Let's go to number three. Okay. I think that's from points bet. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty good. Let's go to number
0: four. Oh, yeah, this is a movie.
4: Bro. <laughs> this, is, this is Russell Westbrook. He was a shooter in this movie.
1: Okay, and then the hold on. We got one more. We got one more. Let's let's number five. Yeah, I like I like this one too uh solid, solid. <laughs> anyway uh your thoughts on the memes which one's the best one
3: okay the fourth one that you showed where the guys unloading the clip and missing on everybody here's the problem it's not completely accurate because of, as of right now russell westbrook is afraid to pull the trigger that often so i, I love it production <laughs> value was good i'm glad nobody was hurt in the making of that meme I gotta like the third one where he's hoisting up a brick. It's simple, to the point, it plays to the nickname, and you get it. That's the one. Number three is the winner with me.
1: Whoa, you like that better than the Tupac as, as a 55-year-old man? I sh-
3: yeah, I, 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 look at that, that's clever. Good. In the, I can see why his form is bad. His elbow's kind of wrenched out. Jeez. God, that is bad. That's good, though, that's good, though.
1: Uh, all right, I, I, that was my favorite one. The Tupac one uh, was amazing to me. Uh, hey, I want to go to an approval rating on Russell Westbrook and then uh, we'll let you go. <sighs> Be hard to keep him out of this dumpster fire category. Uh, job performance he had a decent game one. Uh, you know, he didn't go 0 for in game one, so I, I didn't go zero. They are 0-2. He is the problem. Uh, I gave him a 2 in job performance.
3: Yeah, yeah, okay. He was decent in game one, you, you know, but like uh, Tommy Lasorda once said about, I think it was Kurt Bavacqua, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. The guy was 0 for 11 And you know what's funny? That seems to be more the norm. Uh, nowadays for him a very poor shooting night and so in honor of his jersey number just like Russell Wilson I give him a zero.
1: Mm, uh, Character uh, I don't think much of Russell Westbrook's character I gave him a five Uh, I don't think he's going to handle this situation very well he'll point the finger and blame everybody else Uh, I gave him a five in character.
3: Well, let's go through the list here. Diminishing player. He's gotten into it with fans. He's rude to the media. Uh, Doesn't seem to be the greatest teammate. And now he's a cancer, and now he can't play at all. Uh, I will be generous. I'm going to give him a one. Mm, uh,
1: Wow. Lower than me. That's rare. Uh, That's back-to-back. You're you're really down on uh, Russell Westbrook. Authenticity. (laughs) I do think he's pretty authentic. He's an a-hole, and he's proud of it. He's a jerk, and he's proud of it. Uh, he doesn't back off that. I give him a 22 in authenticity.
3: I cannot disagree. He is who he is, and he doesn't give a damn. He seems to have no self-awareness, and it does not matter. I give him a 25. He's authentically Russell Westbrook.
1: Mm. Uh, it factor, I want to surprise you and be a little bit high here. I th- Look, he's a train wreck, he's a car wreck. And you know what you do when you see a car wreck? You slow down, you pump the brakes, and you look over and you take it in. I think, I think that's what's going on right now with Russell Westbrook. So I give him a 15 and it factor. I think people want, like seeing this car wreck.
3: You know, I'm with you on that. Like I mentioned earlier, Laker fans now are specifically, or at least some of them, are going to go to that game. And if Westbrook misses his first couple of shots, it's going to be really interesting to see the reaction uh, of that particular audience. Because now, you're right, it is that train wreck. It's that car accident that you can't stop rubbernecking out of. And his game, look, I always thought his game was flawed when he was productive on the stat line and he scored points. I mean, what's it now that he can't hit the broadside of a barn, as I like to say? This is this will go down as one of the worst acquisitions in Laker history. I, I truly believe that. And a lot of people are gonna try to soften it. And, and I just can't believe that people are now blaming the fans. That 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 to me, when 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 you start doing that, you know you have absolutely hit rock bottom, but at the same time, I have no interest in the Lakers. I don't care about it, but we are talking about it to this day. And let's face it, it's going to give Charles Barkley great material throughout the year, and that's a good thing. So I give him a 10. Steve,
1: have a great weekend. Who do your Hurricanes have uh, this weekend? Oh,
3: I'm sorry. We both got
1: him at a dumpster fire, 44 and 36. uh, Dumpster fire for both of us. I'm
3: sorry. Now, uh, who do your Hurricanes got this weekend? No, we play a dangerous Duke team. I mean, Duke, Leitner, Grant Hill, Bobby Hurley. It's going to be a dangerous game out there at Hard Rock. But also, <laughs> but my game of focus, UCLA-Oregon, watch that game, Jason. It's UCLA's biggest game in 25 years since the UCLA-Miami game, the Hurricane Bowl, Edron James 299. This game, if UCLA wins it, and I don't know if they will, they could launch themselves into a playoff run. So watch that game, Jason.
1: You don't know if they will. Do you have a prediction? <sighs>
3: I'm going to go with Oregon. They are favored. It's in Autzen. It's uh, UCLA has not won there in about 14, 15 years at least. But I, I'm actually a believer in this team. But, again, since getting blown out by Georgia, Dan Lanning has really studied that Oregon team, though. But that's the game of the day for me.
1: Outside of Miami. Duke. Thank you, Steve. Priorities. Have a great Thanks. weekend. That's the Korean Cosell. Uh We'll let him go. Hey, uh, Justin, I want you to put back up the picture of me and Lauren Bulbert, because uh, I, I, I forgot to mention something uh, and I want all the viewers uh, to be able to see this. Uh, so if we could put that picture back up, I'd, I'd appreciate it. I was. Yeah. <clears throat> and I know that you as the viewers captured this when we showed it the first time, but I, I didn't spend any time talking about it. Look how good I look. I mean, seriously, can you really look any better than I look. And I know Lauren Berbert, she's a hottie, and, and that's a bit distracting, but I think I probably look every bit as good as she does at this point. And you know why I look that good? Because earlier in the day, before I went to that event, I did 200 floors on my Stairmaster. 200 floors. 55 minutes on my Stairmaster, all between a level six and a level 12, I think. And I made it up 200 floors. I believe 200 floors would be higher than the old World Trade Center buildings, I think. Someone can double check. You know why I'm able to do 200 floors at my age on the Stairmaster? It's not just because you know, I've been genetically blessed. It's because I use Instaflex. If you're like me and you've dealt with soreness in your joints, so you know, <laughs> and you have trouble sometimes getting out of bed or what? you need something to help you get through it. Instaflex is what I've been using, and it does help. That's why I'm able to go up 200 floors on my Stairmaster at 55 years old. That's why I'm able to look as good as I look right now, because I'm able to work out day after day after day after day. And obviously I've been watching what I eat as well, but it's been the workouts. Instaflex has five, it has a combination of five unique key ingredients that are found in no other product in the world. It restores flexibility and mobility to your knees and other painful joints. And did I mention that you only have to take one tiny pill a day? You could have better knees in just a week. Now get a complimentary two-week sample of Instaflex Advanced when you text fearless to 424-424. Plus, get a free gift of Instaflex Advanced Pain Cream with its exclusive Oxygenated oil for a fast-acting relief from the pain of arthritis, and I have that. Back aches, and I've had a little bit of that. And sore muscles, I've certainly had that. Absolutely free. Text now and receive a complimentary two-week supply of Instaflex Advanced joint support for men and women with five key ingredients to help you turn back the clock. Text FEARLESS to 424 24 that's fearless to 42424. Put that picture back up. I want to provide them a tiny bit more inspiration. You take Instaflex, you start working out like I do, and like I have, you can look as good as me. Look at this picture of me and Lauren Bulbert. I mean, see, it, it's, I know most of you are like, man, look at Lauren Bulbert. But there are many of you like, my God, look at Whitlock. Look how good he looks. Because I'm able to work out at my age and work out hard, I don't know if I could have done 200 floors when I was in college, but I did it yesterday, and I feel great. I'm here at work today. When it was over, you know, I laid on the floor for about 45 minutes, uh, <laughs> but I feel fine today. Get you some Instaflex Advanced. You guys know what to do. All right, go to YouTube.com/slash Jason. with like hit notifications. Hit subscribe. Uh, Don't miss the cookout. Fearless is hosting its first ever cookout Monday, October 24th. Fearless soldiers Delano Squire, Shamika Michelle, TJ Moe, Pastor Anthony Walker will join yours truly for a two hour live panel discussion on Monday from 6 to 8 p.m. We have invited actor Nick Searcy, rapper Bryson Gray, and my favorite country rocker Aaron Lewis to stop by for the festivities food, fun, spirits, and a lively conversation, you're invited to the cookout. Royce White, next. welcome back Uh, let's roll out to Minneapolis bring in our main man Royce White shows gonna get a lot deeper here Uh, Royce we've been talking about Russell Westbrook I know the mental health issue is uh, big to you and and what your purpose your life purpose I contend that social media uh, is playing a role in what I see as a clear anxiety or mental issue going on with Russell Westbrook. We've never seen a player uh, that has performed at his level have this type of collapse, and I think some of it has to be between the ears, what's going on. Uh, Is it fair for me to make that sort of speculation? How do you see it?
2: I think mental health plays a role in and every athlete's uh, ability to perform. Uh, and, and Russell Westbrook is certainly a player that has uh, spent a lot of time uh, building a brand on social media, building a brand in general as an NBA player. And, um, you know, I haven't seen him play this year. I haven't even got a chance to see him play, but I saw some of the stats and I saw some of the headlines about, about his performance. Um, I think it's early. You know, when I, looked, when I watched the Lakers last year, when I had the chance to watch them some, um, th- their problems from a basketball standpoint seem very obvious. They, they don't move the ball. I mean, that's just, the, that's just the, real, the real issue is that they don't move the ball. They, they played a lot of isolation basketball, um, and, and that's, that's going to be a problem for players, uh, all kinds of players, but it's going to be a big problem. You have a lot of players that think that they're the man. Um, so, you know, I don't know how they're playing this year differently than how they played last year. Um, and, you know, for for Russell Westbrook, he spent a lot of time with an organization where from a basketball standpoint, he was the guy. The ball was in his hands um, and he and he uh, he was very successful statistically for that reason. Uh, but it takes a certain level and caliber of player and athlete to, to be able to accrue the stats that he did. I mean, nobody can walk into an NBA uh, season or on an NBA team or on an NBA floor and average a triple-double for two straight seasons. I mean, that, that's, that's a feat in and of itself. So, you know, Russell Westbrook's a great player. He has the ability. I can't speak to what's going on with him now. What I can say is that I agree social media has a very, very poisonous effect on people. It can. It does in general. Uh, but Russell Westbrook strikes me as somebody who it could have a, a pronounced effect on, no doubt.
1: Here's why I say that. I think social media stops people from serious self-reflection. It it promotes a, no, it's this person's fault, it's that person's fault. It's it's, you know, you have a massive amount of followers and they will inundate you with adulation. There, there'll be some criticism, but there's always gonna be people caping up for you and, oh, Whitlock, you're not overweight, you're just big boned, or, you know, I know someone fatter than you, and and you won't get a steady stream of the truth. Like, hey, man, fix that weight problem, or, and so that's what I see with Russell Westbrook. He's He is consumed with it's this person's fault. The fans in Utah did X, Y, and Z to me. Oh, a kid uh, touched me on the court, and that's the problem, and I better correct this kid. Everything for Russell Westbrook, and I think a lot of celebrities that are that haven't figured out social media, everything is about what's happening to them. It's not about looking internally and self-correcting. It's about all these external factors, and I, Westbrook, Spent a bunch of time last year complaining that people called him West Brick, and somehow this was besmir- besmirching his name and his family reputation, and how dare you skip Bayless. He's just caught up in all these external forces, and I think social media promotes that in all of us and in all people, unless you're hyper aware of like, this is what social media does, this is what I need to do to combat it. I don't think he's made that adjustment, and that's why he keeps looking
2: outside for solutions rather than inside. Yeah, uh, you know, great insight. I, I think social media definitely creates that silo of fandom and, and adulation that you're speaking about. Uh, and and in addition to that, um, I would say that, that Russell Westbrook strikes me as somebody who is, is easily um, agitated. You know, he's, he's uh, a little thin-skinned, um, and, Honestly, you know, I understand any of these players, any of these athletes. Um, let's say rebellion of the establishment, right? And and they're sort of uh, you know not wanting to, not wanting to go along and get along, not wanting to go along with with whatever the the status quo is. Um, it's just that a lot of these players haven't been taught or haven't been mentored, you could say, or, or, or grown in a way where they have constructive ways to rebel on and fight back against the establishment and the status quo. So they find all of these kind of faux, you know, ways to do it. And that, that's part of the woke movement in general, right? That's the same criticism you could have with the entire woke movement. It's not their impetus to fight back against the status quo and the corruption of power that's wrong. It's the way they choose to do it. And the way they choose to do it is usually immature and ill-formed. And Russell Westbrook, you could say, is, is a poster child for that. Um, so, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't much, I, I always hope to be able to have contact with young athletes, young black athletes, young men, and, and uh, encourage them to, to better formulate their ideas and what they actually feel, what, what they actually think about the world. And that will help them uh, um, not lash out in ways that seem so um, ineffective or, it, it you know, ultimately um, a hindrance on, on themselves as well as anything that they, that they purport to stand for. And, you know, that's LeBron too. self especially bitchy. He's especially bitchy, no doubt about it, you know.
1: And so you said athletes have an instinct to rebel against the establishment. I hear it and go, hey, man, at $40 million a year from the team and then all the off-court money from major corporations, I hear mm-hmm. go, they are the establishment. Recognize who you are. And mm-hmm. so they are the establishment in many, many respects, and they're playing some game of pretending to be anti-establishment. It's just a game. It's, it
2: comes off as inauthentic to me. Y- yes and no. I mean, let, let's, let's, let's be very precise here, because the same thing could be said of us as Americans. Many people from around the world could look at, look at us as American citizens and say, what do you guys have to complain about? Look at your circumstance. And and many people do make that argument. And many people who cuck for the status quo here in America, let's say politically or corporately, they make the same argument. They go, uh, you got it way better in America than you do in Venezuela. So, you know, stop your complaining. And I say to that, hold on a second. Uh, yes, uh, the athletes are technically a part of the establishment. But what separates you from the corruption of power within the establishment is what you choose to bear witness to with your mouth and with your spirit. And so you could very well be in a corporation like Nike, let's say, and stand up and say, whoa, 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 trying to mix the LGBTQ agenda with the pro-black movement is, is dishonest. Or you could say trying to push LGBTQism on young children is dishonest. And even though you work in Nike and technically you're a part of that institution, you still stood for something individual, individual free will, is the access point and the predicate for individual freedom in this country. And we, we must never forget that. Um, so the NBA players are in on it in the most general sense. But I think that NBA players, because of their individual, um, the, the individual nature of developing yourself as an athlete, forces you to have an independent mind in, in some respect. Um, it's just that in today's world, they've all been herded and crowded and corralled into a group think. Uh, That that's predicated largely on race and then beyond that on on liberalism. So um, you can be in an establishment and still have a a rightful criticism and rebellion against them. I think American citizens need to need to get wise to that because, you know, you live in America, no doubt. But this is a corrupt country uh, right down to the the judiciary. (laughs) So.
1: Let me ask you this uh, with you being still a current athlete playing in the Big Three, uh, MMA fighter. When you hear Kevin Durant complain, like, hey man, y'all turning Russell Westbrook into a laughing stock of me, it's too toxic. It, it's, it's, it's unfair, basically, that people are laughing at Russell Westbrook. And that this is playing out in public over social media, on television shows, talk shows, whatever. This show, Skip Bayless show, Stephen A. Smith, he's basically, man, it's unfair that we're making Westbrook a laughing stock. And Durant says, to some degree, y'all try to do it to me. Y'all try to do it to others. Kwame Brown complained about that as it related to Stephen A. Smith. As an athlete, or, or is there legitimacy to their complaint? I push back and say, "Well, hold on. Bill Buckner was made a laughing stock. Yeah. Uh, uh, Steve Bartman, a fan for the Chicago Cubs, was made a laughing stock. I'm supposed to feel bad that Russell Westbrook making 40 million dollars from the Lakers and probably another 20, 30 million from other avenues. I'm supposed to feel bad that." People are laughing at him as an athlete. Where do you stand on that?
2: I probably fall somewhere in the middle. Look, I think I think we've built a culture in this country and around the world as it pertains to our athletes, where we expect them to take criticism into that. We expect that the 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 price we pay to watch or the price we pay for the product um, creates the the um, you know let, let's say the uh, the false expectation that the athletes shouldn't shouldn't be able to to have an opinion in our direction right is is we want to be able to criticize and say what we want about the athletes with with no boundaries with no with no limits but then we want to say Katie you can't say on the court because the kids are watching or or Katie you can't call the the dude in the ra- the front row a uh because the kids are watching or because it'll offend them so we have this you know this um this sort of superficial uh, uh, construct that we, that we expect our athletes to toe, you know, to, to walk in, which is really a part of our own desire for them to toe the line in general. Why? Because they're in a position to actually influence the, the general dialogue. And most of us at home are in on the general dialogue. We like things the way they are. So the last thing we want is people who have a really high uh, position in society in and in a loud microphone or a big podium, to say anything that really challenges that. I mean, we pretend like we do, and that's what the woke movement is. It's a, it's a frugazi. They're just pretending like they want their leaders and idols to change things. They really don't, because uh, if they did, you would know by the things they choose to talk about. Uh, so I, I definitely see where Kevin Durant often pushes back. I think he doesn't go far enough, and part of him not going far enough is because he likes his position as well. And he's, he's comfortable with his position as well. So much so that he won't go so far. Uh, Kanye West is a bit different, obviously. And, and, but, but I also think for me personally as an athlete, um, if I get knocked out in the first round of my next MMA fight, I expect there to be people who clip it, who laugh, who make jokes, who say, look at this guy, got knocked unconscious, and so on and so forth. That's par for the course, and I don't call that unfair. It just is what it is. Now, what I would say in response to that, for example, in, 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 a, in accordance with having a little thicker skin is, most of these people that make jokes about the athletes that they criticize could never do what they do. And let's say uh, uh, Nate Robinson, for example. Most of you, When he got knocked out cold by Jake Paul. Most of y'all would never get in a ring and fight until one of you knocks the other one unconscious. So, I mean, there is something to be said at the outset of whether or not you have the balls to even participate, let alone the skill and talent. Uh, and, and that's another scam, too, because people want to be able to criticize mostly because they can't do. And, and that's valid to say as well.
1: Let me say this, pushing back. Let's go to Luke chapter 12 for unto whom whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more. And so that's, I think, the mentality is like, "Whoo, $40 million a year? Yeah, I'm going to yell at this dude, and he should take it. I'm not getting paid $40 million a year to come to these games. I'm just a fan. And so the rules should be, a little different for the guy making 40 million as opposed yeah. to the fan who's forking over four or five hundred dollars to take his family to a single game?
2: Yeah. No doubt. That that's a that's a fair criticism. It 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 lacks a certain scope of it lacks a certain scope of the, the, the real breadth of our society and, and where criticism is rightfully laid. I think a lot of people in this country specifically who are in the working class view the people who they see the most, the people who they see the most, who have been put in front of them as idols and icons and, and the wealthy, uh, as as a place where they, where they, um, where they uh, ineff- ineffectively place a lot of their resent. Because that's what you're talking about. That's, that, I don't make a, a lot of money, so I'm going to, project my resent and my my frustration with life onto this person who makes more money, first of all, that's dishonest from the outset. You, you resent your life, you deal with your life, and you you fight in your own life. That's that individual free will. But okay, hey, KD makes you know a lot of money, $40 million, and maybe it's too much money to play basketball, some people would say. Um, he wouldn't be able to do it unless you were willing to pay it, unless you were willing to try and get the false catharsis of coming to an arena that they built with your tax money uh, to, 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 re- to disconnect from your problems in life. Well, stop trying to run from your problems. Face them head on. Then a KD wouldn't have $40 million. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you if people didn't pay to watch, he wouldn't make that money. Uh, so, th- th- you know, are you, are you a capitalist or not? You know, right? So um, there's that part. But, but more importantly... Uh, don't be fooled by the people who are right in front of you because behind them there are other people, and behind them there are even other people. So it frustrates me as an athlete when a person projects all of their resentment for their mediocre life, what they think is mediocre. I would say if you have God, you don't have a mediocre life, regardless of how much money you make. But what they perceive as a mediocre life, and you got all this resentment and anger and hostility towards KD because you paid $500 to see him play, but you don't know who, uh, Mary, uh, who uh, Jan- Janet Yellen is. You don't even know who the chair of the Federal Reserve is. You don't even know who the, the, who the top shareholders are at BlackRock or Vanguard who run J.P. Morgan. You don't know the real enemies or the, the real villains that you should know about the feeling you have towards the circumstance of your life. So don't allow them to put some puppet idol or puppet prophet in front of you and, and then you displace all your resentment and hatred onto them. I mean, that's just self, self-deceptive. self I'm not even saying that in a selfish way as an athlete. I'm saying it for the person out there who works at the mail, at the post office, and you got this resentment for, you know, LeBron. And I don't like LeBron. I think he's a sellout. But don't let your projection onto LeBron, uh, uh, you know, misguide you away from where the real power and the real corruption is.
1: Uh, that was good. I want to move on to Steve Bannon. Steve yes. Bannon. It was announced today, or leaked today, or somehow okay, they're going to give this guy four months for ignoring his January 6th subpoena. Uh, he's going to be free until his appeals process is exhausted. Exhausted. But four months for ignoring a subpoena, Steve Bannon. They want this man to go to jail. Uh, you know, you're close to Steve. I, I want to take as much time as you want to help us understand the significance of what they're doing here
2: well first let me say steve bannon is an american hero and he's a friend of mine and i consider him a mentor probably my foremost mentor uh, when it comes to politics Um, he's an intellectual he is um, you know a formal a, a former uh naval officer he served this country and the narrative that's been built around Steve Bannon is completely built for people who eat French fries every day. You're right. People who go to Starbucks <laughs> in the morning and get a 20 ounce of coffee and then they're getting they're you know, and then they they go for uh, they go for vodka or, or whiskey by happy hour at four o'clock. And, and by nine o'clock, they're jerking off. Right. That, that's who the, the mainstream narrative. That's who the mainstream narrative is built for. Well, hold on, I eat French fries. I'm not going to comment on the last part of that. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry, Roy. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, well, let's say it's for people who read their political headlines with their French fries. I, I know don't you, eat French fries, Royce. Anymore. I go know you ahead. take. Time to, I'm sorry for the headlines yeah. in great depth. Uh, that's why you you yeah. are who you are. But um, you know, so that that's who the mainstream narrative is built for when it comes to Steve Bannon and when it comes to the American uh, the American. Uh, populist movement or the national populist movement that Steve Bannon did not only what wasn't only instrumental in here in this country, but has become instrumental in around the world. Don't be mistaken. Uh, Steve Bannon's reach goes well beyond America's borders when it comes to thought leadership around the, the idea of nationalism versus globalism. So when you see the American court, the American judiciary go after Steve Bannon here on our country's turf, they're doing it on behalf of a foreign authority, which makes them traitors, which makes them traitors to America. They're not Americans. They are going after Steve Bannon as a as a proxy or, or, or as a, the, you know, the, the running dogs for a global governance that wants to wants to smother and douse the, the idea or the, the reemergence of nationalism from here to Beijing. And, and so many people wouldn't know that because many people aren't paying close enough attention but if you did pay cl- close enough attention to this judge in the ruling, in this ruling, he actually said Steve Bannon did not outright ignore this subpoena. So what are the grounds for this entire this entire charge or this this uh, this sentence? What are the grounds if, if the judge himself is saying Mr. Bannon did not outright uh, ignore this subpoena? And that he had there there were grounds to call into question legal issues that may arise from whether or not he had privilege because he had direct conversations with Donald Trump. If all of this, if all of these uh, questions, these these reasonable questions came into the sentencing, where's the beyond a reasonable doubt? Where, I mean, how did they come to this? How did they come to this severity of a, of a sentence, let alone whether he should have been sentenced at all? Um, so, you know, this is them trying to silence a dissident. And it should it should really scare every single person who can hear the sound of my voice to death. It, it should it should scare you to death. It should keep you up at night. And many people will go, oh, you know, Steve Bannon, he's a white supremacist or he's one of those MAGA conspiracy theorists or that's all fine. Whatever you think about Steve Bannon is is what you think about him. But understand this. Dark is the hour when telling the basic truth makes you an enemy of the state, no matter what that truth is or what side you're on. Because what happens and we've seen this before, whether you want to go back to the Holocaust, whether you want to go to the gulags in Russia or in, 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 uh, you know, in in Mao, China or wherever there was a genocide or wherever there was a roundup, uh, it starts off slow. It creeps up on you. And before you know it, they knock on your door and you're looking around at the rest of your neighbors like, why is nobody out here to speak up for? Well, they already rounded them all up and killed them. There's nobody left to stand up for you. That was the brilliance of a we the people mentality or we the people philosophy in the American Constitution and in the, the American way. We the people have power versus the government. What these tyrants plan to do and are effectively doing is taking the American people's complacency and using it to erode the American way and the idea of we the people. They say they're above the people. Doesn't matter what Steve Bannon did or didn't do. Those who sit in power right now feel Steve Bannon's an inconvenience and Donald Trump and his crew would be an inconvenience for our agenda. So they got to go.
1: Royce, what you're saying is powerful and important. And I hope that people uh, can comprehend what you're saying, because those that are sitting around applauding, yeah, he deserves it. And. January 6 and blah 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 and there was an insurrection and he deserves and he's a bad guy. I'm just telling you it's going to be you, the same it's going to be me. I, I literally have and I don't think of myself as that important, but I do think of myself as a Christian who's going to stand on my beliefs and I fully expect to be persecuted. And I fully expect to pay consequences for standing on these beliefs. Uh, and, and any of you, you'll be eventually they're going to outlaw your thoughts. You may have all the safe thoughts right now, but eventually your, cause I've lived long enough to know like, Hey, my thoughts about marriage between a man and a woman that was very mainstream. That was not remotely controversial in my lifetime. I could, I don't have to go all the way. I'm 55. I don't have to go back 55 years to, to. That was just a mainstream opinion. Now it's beyond the pale. Now I'm a bad guy for thinking that. And so the very you may think your opinion might be right now that you know, ice cold water is tasty. They will eventually outlaw that and jail you for it. Uh, Because it's a never-ending, it's a machine, a nihilistic machine that's going, that's coming for all of us. Uh, I I, I, thank you uh, for that explanation. I do want to end on a slightly lighter note. I don't know if you, Royce, can you see me? Can you, I want to show you this. Last night I went to an event here in Nashville at John Rich's house, a country rocker singer, and uh, got to meet Lauren Boebert. And so, any, <clears> I <throat> many people have been emailing in and calling the blaze and and tweeting at me. I put this picture out. And like my God, Whitlock! I mean, you look incredible. So uh, I just wanted to ask you, uh, Royce, on a scale of nine to ten, how good do I look there in that picture? Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Wait,
2: wait! Pause. Hold on. <laughs> Don't 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 hey. I'll say this. You definitely are yeah. laying off French fries and I respect that. I respect that I can tell the hard work's paying off, the treadmill and all the work you're doing. I like the coat you got on. I like the coat. I like the I like the, the you know the the public picture smile you got going. You look like a real professional. Uh, uh, that that that's all I can say. I, I can't rate another man's looks. Like that's just not in my that's just not in my ability to do for you. Could you, you today. get your wife on
1: camera? Could we get your wife, daughter, somebody? To, you know, on a scale of nine to ten, I just need someone to tell. I mean, how good do I look?
2: Look, I will I will say you're looking you're looking pretty good. Keep working. You can always look better. Okay. when you when you start looking like when you start looking like the dapper guy on this side of the camera, then then we can then we can start putting numbers to it. All right. Got you. I'm going to hold you to that. Uh, Thank you, Royce. Have a great weekend.
1: Get your fearless army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Uh Delano Squires, Squattest Man on the show. Next
2: words are our religion, our regrets and our decisions. We don't wanna go to heaven with freedom. It's my obligation, no hate discrimination is enough. Your hands for freedom.
1: All right, welcome back. Uh time to bring in Delano Squires. Let's roll out to Washington, DC. Uh, amp up uh, the show. Delano has written a column uh, keen off of a Huffington Post takedown hit piece on the rapper Killer Mike. Uh, Killer Mike is part of a rap duo called Run The Jewels. Uh, Killer Mike is a Bernie bro, a Bernie supporter. He was a surrogate for Bernie Sanders. I believe in 2020 or 2016. He's been long associated with Bernie Sanders and he's been a leftist political voice. He was connected to Keisha Lance Bottoms when she's the mayor of Atlanta. Uh, He's been on Bill Maher's show. Killer Mike is uh, a patron saint of leftist politicians. He's their favorite rapper. Uh, he's the anti-Ice Cube, I guess. Uh, he's, he's a leftist and has been a leftist for a long time. I believe uh, he's being red-pilled at the moment. He's probably unaware that he's being red-pilled, but I see him going through the same metamorphosis that I've been watching Bill Maher go through. And he was on a show with Charlemagne the God, Killer Mike was, and he praised, he made the mistake of praising uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who's running against uh, Stacey Abrams, Big Mama, uh, the matriarchal saint of the leftist movement, the Michael Strahan uh, Lizzo of democratic politics. Uh, And so Killer Mike in his interview with Charlemagne the God on a panel discussion praised Brian Kemp for meeting with King Randall, who King Randall's the young man that started a school for black boys in Albany, Georgia. King Randall is a faith-based, conservative, young black, kid, like 21, 22, I just met him a couple of weeks ago. I met him over social media long ago, but just met him in person. Last week, I believe at Candace Owens's documentary premiere, young black dude that's out like trying to do authentic work helping young black men, and Brian Kemp met with him, and Killer Mike praised Brian Kemp for doing that. Well, that's a bridge too far, and so the Huffington Post uh, commissioned some dude Stephen Crockett to or Craddock or I don't know the guy's name. It, it's irrelevant. Uh, to, to write a hit piece on, oh, my God, Killer Mike is more dangerous than Kanye West. And, you know, he had the He met with Brian Kemp and he interviewed and gave a platform to Herschel Walker. He's the devil incarnated. He, he's someone that could. All of this is coming from the Democrats fear that black men are starting to wake up to the fact that the Democratic Party is gay and has no tolerance for heterosexual men, uh, heterosexual Christian men, a heterosexual male point of view. Killer Mike is starting to wake up to that. And so he he's hasn't taken a position. He hasn't endorsed anybody, but he's getting criticized. And the Huffington Post ran a long piece uh, going after him. Delano uh, wrote a column about that. Uh, focusing a bit more on the writer of the piece and this whole gay agenda they got going on, and how Killer Mike ran afoul of that. Delano, e- explain the point of your column, and then uh, the gaysos, i think—is what you're you're calling them. This whole <laughs> movement, uh, and then I want to have a conversation about Killer Mike and Delano. I want to tell you this before because. We'll have about 30 minutes here, but I think on Monday when you're here in town, we're going to go even more in depth in the panel discussion about what's going on with Killer Mike, what's going on with black men, and are we snapping out of uh, this trance that the left has had us in. But first, go ahead and explain what you wrote about today.
0: Sure. I mean, you you gave a good overview. Um, My column was a response to the to the hit piece from Huffington Post. And and, and I use that term because it lacked any sort of substance. Uh, It was the typical leftist pablum when, you know, when they want to wag their finger at somebody. It started with um, Stephen Crockett talking about Kanye being misogynistic and homophobic. You know, all the isms and the phobias. But he got to Killer Mike and said Killer Mike is more politically dangerous than Kanye because he's savvy. He knows what he's talking about. He's well read. He knows history. And the author's entire point is that the very... The fact that Killer Mike spoke to Republicans is an act of racial treason. And um, Stephen Crockett, as I mentioned in my piece, uh, used to be at the Root. Um, I used to write for the Root, so I'm, I'm familiar with him. And I used the rest of my piece to say that what what the worldview that's being expressed in in this piece and in, in Stephen Crockett's piece really is something that. Um, in some respects, comes from another root writer, a guy named Damon Young, co-founder of the Very Smart Brothers, um, an author, very sort of respected and, and, you know, he's in the Washington Post, New York Times, who wrote a piece in 2017 called Straight Black Men Are the White People of Black People. Um, It was a controversial headline. He basically said straight black men have privilege and power. um, And we... We use that to express um, our own desires and to get people to feel sorry for us. We want white people to feel sorry for us when it comes to racism. But then when we interact with black women, we don't hear them when they talk about sexism and misogyny and so on and so on and so forth. Again, not particularly brilliant stuff, but provocative. And the argument I make in my piece today is that these attacks on Killer Mike demonstrate that black male feminists are the white liberals of black people. And what they do is try to prove to the black women who run the left that, hey, we're, we're not like those other bad black guys. We're not like Killer Mike. We're not like Jason Whitlock. We're not like Delano Squires. We're not like the quote unquote ho who listen to Kevin Samuels and Dr. Umar and so on and so on and so forth. We're, we're good black guys, right? We believe in. in straight is basically what they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and, and I'm sure that they're very trans affirming because that, that's part of the deal, too. Right. It's not just that they affirm feminism, but the, the all sort of gender politics. And, and to me, th- this is important to point out because it explains why these guys get so angry whenever uh, a black man sort of ventures off into the free world and expresses free thoughts. Um, men like Stephen Crockett thinks it's his job to put Killer Mike back in his place. At one point, he called him a shill. At one point, he said when he met with Governor Kemp that he he understands the racial politics and and Killer Mike knew his place, quote unquote. So he, he's he's pulling on something, and, and I think that it's important to explain what's going on here. And I, and I when we talked early, I used the term Gazo like King Gazo from The Woman King, because uh, Gazo on paper was the ruler of Dahomey, but he was surrounded by women who basically told him what to do. Um, and one of the women, the, the Viola Davis character, had uh, no intention on submitting to his leadership whatsoever. And by the time the movie ended, Gezo had appointed her the woman king, and the movie ended with her basically seeming like she ran the kingdom. And this is what guys like Stephen Crockett, Damon Young, Michael Harriet, again, all Root writers, by the way, this is the function that they play in the political ecosystem. Um, In the same way that white liberals um, basically serve the purpose of saying, we're not like the bad white conservatives. We know that white people suck. We know we have to atone for the sins of people who look like us um, 200 years ago. And we just want you black people to know that we're on board, black lives matter. Here's my square, take my money. Um, and And I think it was important to point out, you know the dynamic that's going on between the Gazos and the Killer Mikes.
1: All of these dudes wear man ponds or need man ponds. Uh, we're gonna see another version of the Woman King very shortly called Wakanda Forever. And it, mm. it'll be called Gazos or Gay Forever is what they should call it, or the Matriarch Forever, uh, whatever. And, and the conversation I wanna have today, and we're definitely gonna have on Monday is, I look at what's going on with Killer Mike and I've got a history with Killer Mike. I had him on mm-hmm. a podcast I used to do at ESPN or at Fox Sports. I can't remember long years ago, 10 years ago, let's say, had him on the podcast. We, we had big, he, he thought he was making all these great points or whatever, but it, it was all the leftist tripe and he, he, he couldn't understand where I was coming from. And I'm starting to see this dude wake up to the fact, That as an alpha male, because Mike has alpha male tendencies, energy, he sees himself as an alpha male, he's heterosexual, he's married, he's got kids and a family. I think he's starting to realize, man, the left has really no use for me and isn't Mm. promoting anything that serves me as a man that wants to be a leader and in a leadership position and I see him snapping out of the days and confusion. And that's, again, why all this promotion of weed and like, mm. there's no problem with getting high, there is a problem. It confuses your mind. You can't be as logical and as sharp. And that's why you get to be Mike's probably 45, 48 years old, whatever. It and it took him this long to snap out of the fact and recognize the fact like, hey, man, I'm over here with the Alphabet Mafia, and that ain't how I get down. He, he's a man, and he wants to be a leader. And and this, I, I I'm a, the other example I'm gonna give because Mike, and and uh, Bill Maher, are very tight and cool and communicate. I see the same thing going on with Bill Maher. Bill Maher is an atheist, and I, that will probably never change, but he is a heterosexual man with alpha energy, and I watch his show, and I see the things coming out of him, and I've seen his pivot, like, wow. The left is really against a lot of things that just as a man, I'm naturally for. And so at the gist of, or at the, what's central to all of this for Bill Maher and for Killer Mike, because they're alpha males, They will confront their critics. They will go out and debate and engage with people they disagree with. The alphabet crew, the emasculated crew, the crew suffering from low T, they don't engage with people they Mm. disagree with. They run and hide in a corner and, and put fingers in their ear and they act like little girls. Now, I'm sorry if that I'm not going to be Troy Aikman and apologize for that. That's how they act. And, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't. It's not an easy coexistence for Killer Mike. So I see someone snapping out and waking up to the reality that you've signed up for the Alphabet Mafia. And is that really the mafia you want to run with Killer Mike? I'm asking that sincerely. I, I, you know, we disagreed long ago. You're younger than me. You didn't know what you're doing. But what, what's going on right now and the way you're being treated right now, Mike, is why I wasn't on board with that stuff you pump out. But do, do, you, do you see any of that, not just with Mike, but just with heterosexual men and black men in particular of any color, like a realization like, hey, this whole thing that we're co-signing for is matriarchal and gay. I-
0: And Killer Mike is a a little harder to read because he he is astute politically. As you said, he's a leftist. He's a Bernie guy. He's a he's a a union guy. Right. So in some respects, there are certain positions where conservatives today may be with him. Right. A lot of conservatives don't like the power that Amazon has. And they're like, look, a small, non political nonpartisan labor union going back against Amazon is something that we can get behind. I'll say this. um, Here's how I would characterize it. Let's say 10 years ago, the the left and the right were um, 10. There was 10 paces between them, right? And now, 10 years later, there are 20 paces between us. I think the attempt for men like Killer Mike to say, "I want to come back 10 paces to the right" is not a red pill. It's a purple pill. Is because they 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 realize I'm a lot further out than I want to be. And you hear this in, in Bill Maher's, you know, in Bill Mars' monologue sometimes too. He he it's not that he disagrees with certain things, right? Bill Maher's gonna use all the personal pronouns, he's gonna call Caitlyn Jenner she and all that. It's just he 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 would say, but the left is going too far. Can we not push this on kids? Can we not push this on schools? And my my contention is that their desire to come back to the middle. Basically, to to be where we were, let's say not in 2012, but maybe 2002, is admirable. It's just foolish because there's two things that the left wants: they want terms and they want territory. And and when you're in a war with somebody, once they capture territory, they're not giving it back to you. So the notion that you know uh, the left is just going to ease up a little bit and they'll say, okay, we'll do all the trans stuff. We just won't do it in schools. We we'll 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 do it. When the kids get 15, but not at 14, it's not happening. And I think that these guys are trying to carve out a space for themselves to show, hey, I still have some common sense left. I'm not completely capitulated to this agenda. But if it comes time for choosing and and Killer Mike has to to make or Bill Maher or whoever, you know, some of these other guys, these fence sitters have to make a decision on whether to come on one side or the other. None of these guys are going to make that decision to, to to come all the way over to where we are. And part of the reason, Jason, is because we don't have real revolutionaries. This is the way I ended my piece. These guys, the Stephen Crockett's, the Michael Harriot's, they, they talk a good game. They, they write, you know, in my opinion, mediocre, vulgar, provocative pieces. All they talk about is white people. But Stephen Crockett had a piece criticizing Kyrie Irving for not wanting to take the jab. Right? Now, just... A, a, a guy in his position, right, way past his position, a Stanley Crouch type of person, a, a, a Ralph Wiley type of person, was not a company man. These are people who would challenge the status quo in the establishment. I sound like Royce, but it's true. Over the last two years, Mike Wilbon, Stephen A. Smith, Jalen Rose, everybody that writes for The Root, everybody that shows up on MS- NBC, these guys are programmed, they're bots. All they do is is the the, uh, party central says, we want all the black folks to take the jab. And they said, oh, if you don't take the jab, you're trying to kill your grandmother. Why don't you listen to the black female doctors that made the vaccine? So these guys are bought and paid for. Right. As I I close my piece, the revolution will not be televised, but the revolutionaries have been domesticated. And that's why, you know, I I said what I said in my piece. So, no, I, I don't think he's been red pilled. I think he's been purple pilled. I think he's trying to carve out some space, come back to a sensible middle, but that middle is gone. It's time for choosing, Jason, and these guys don't have to pick a side. I agree, though. Here's where I would disagree, though.
1: I think for heterosexual men, there's an instinct that is just within them. It may take longer. They may be late to the party, but at some point it's going to kick in. And... They're just not all going to lay down like dogs. And and so I, I, I'll i give you an example. Jalen Rose mm-hmm. right now is in a dispute with his sister mm-hmm. because she wants to lay up at the house that he bought for his mama. And she's been laying up right. at that house for two years. And so now Jalen Rose is having to put his foot down, and say, no, nah, baby girl, this was for mama. It's not for you. I've done enough for you. But. I've been through all of these same issues where you want to play nice, you want to be respectful, but at some point it's like, you know what, I'm the man, I'm the provider, this is the way it's going to be. And eventually that instinct is going to kick in with all these guys as they start seeing like – because, again, I think most of them just don't realize who's the real boss. I think Killer Mike, because he's actually – honest, uh, whereas opposed to some of these guys, it's just about taking a check and a massive mm. check for getting on board with this, but but eventually they're gonna figure out that that check doesn't trump their natural instincts to be masculine and to be men. And, and they're not just gonna go all the way through with this transition surgery. They're, they're gonna quit taking the puberty blockers. They're gonna ask for their penises back at some point. And it's going to. And that's what it's going on with Killer Mike. I'm tell, and so mm. he's just on a path. It's no different than when, when I quit eating double cheeseburgers at McDonald's. Eventually, I quit eating the double filet of fish sandwich, which is my favorite. And eventually right. and I just had to bid farewell to McDonald's. I just I haven't been in 18 months. It's just, that's what I think. Now, they may be it may be five years, 10 years from now before these guys fully snap out. I'm like, well, dang, they really they really just violated me. They really did just sodomize me on national TV. You know what? I don't like this. It may it may get that far for some of them. And I mean that literally someone mm. there may be some executive says, you know what, put put them pants down, big bro. Bend over this desk. That may be the moment when they like, oh wow, Whitlock was right, Delano was right. <laughs> I need to stop this. But they are on that path. I see it with Killam, and this is where you mm. and I talked earlier. I even mm-hmm. see it with Charlemagne the God. <laughs> I, I really do. I, I see it. Charlemagne the God. He's flawed. He's an idiot. Uh, he's been captured by them. But at the end of the day, he's a heterosexual man and he's starting to snap out of it a little bit. And I know they got the pride flag and all that uh, flying uh, on the Breakfast Club set and all that. But even trust me, they got it flying. But trust me, in the back of Charlemagne's head, he's like, we got the pride flag flying. Really? That's who we are now? He's Mm. so captured and compromised, Uh he'll never leave the plantation, he'll never run, but he will help. And that's what I thought he was doing with Killer Mike is he packed Killer Mike an overnight bag to leave the plantation. And I ain't gonna tell Massa and them, go ahead and say what you really think, uh, Killer Mike. He provided Killer Mike a platform, to be honest, because even Charlemagne is starting to snap out of this daze and confusion and starting to
0: realize what the left is really about. Well, there's a, I'm gonna I'm be like you. There's a lot to unpack there, right? You said a mouthful. <laughs> um, so a, a couple of things. One, I think um, there are a couple of principles that the modern right tends to hold that I think we're talking about. One is free speech, right? Free inquiry, dialogue, so on and so forth. Another is uh, traditional notions of gender and gender roles, Um, traditional marriage, nuclear family, right? Um, Another is sort of a rejection of feminism outright. I think that these guys want that first one because they're in the ideas of business. They can't survive if they only talk to certain people. Now, they, I mean, the Breakfast Club had Rush Limbaugh on one, one time. I think this might have been before 20, somewhere negotiated between 2016.
1: Deal. That was negotiated.
0: Right. That, that was not something they really wanted to do, but go ahead. But 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 what I'm saying is he was there, right? So th- these are people who sometimes will value sparring with an opponent because it'll make it seem like uh, t- you were making this point, I think maybe yesterday, that they can do more than just shadow box. But what I'm saying is guys like Charlemagne and Killer Mike, if you told them, look, um, pr- press, uh, talk to the GOP, right? Talk to conservatives, sort of openly flirt with them a little bit, bat your eyelash. It's going to make the Democrats respond, and you might get some of the tangibles you're talking about. You might get government set aside on contracts. You might get some watered down version of reparations. You might get specific targeted black policies. But you also have to to be fine with. All the rainbow stuff, all the feminist stuff, all the abortion stuff. I think those guys would take that deal because as long as the as the men are not coming after them, I think they'll say, you know what, I'll take that deal. Killer Mike is in Atlanta, Jason. You understand? If 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 he was really uh, anti rainbow, he would move to Nashville or some other some other city. He's in Atlanta, so he he can't move around and and be hardcore, tr- you know, traditional gender roles, traditional marriage because his his well will probably dry up. And if you notice in, in this day and age, and we talked about this a little bit with Kanye, right? He, he made some some uh, some comments, obviously, that people find controversial about Jews and Jewish people in and, and media and Hollywood. There are two groups that make even the most gangster rappers double clutch, <clears throat> clear their throat and choose their words wisely. It's Jewish people and it's anyone identified with LGBT If if the the baby had made some comments talking about shooting somebody at one of his concerts, nobody would care. He made comments that were deemed uh, homophobic. He had to apologize. Uh, Glad ran down on Roland Martin in the street. Roland Martin said this was years ago. Anybody laughing at this David Beckham underwear commercial at your Super Bowl party, you need to smack him. Glad found him in the street. They made him apologize. So these guys know who not to run afoul of. And that's what I'm saying. These, These guys are not revolutionaries. The most revolutionary thing you could say right now, if you're a black man, is to say, I want the left and the Democratic Party out of my house yesterday. I'm the leader of my home. I need to find me a good woman, a queen to marry. We're going we're to raise some children together. We're going to have our piece of property. right? I want to be a leader in my community, a coach, an entrepreneur, a, a mentor. I'm, more, I'm not just more than an athlete. I'm more than a voter. So the Democrats want my vote. They have to speak to me like a man and that I'm, I'm more than just a, a, a punch list on on their on their political schedule. That, that is way more revolutionary than anything these guys are talking about. And, they, and they're not going to say that because they know they have a little bit of space to play with. And Killer Mike, and you know this, if, if you have some built up cultural capital, you have a little bit more room to play with. Martin Lamont Hill could talk to anybody he wants. Because nobody's going to question whether or not he, quote unquote, loves black people. Killer Mike is in that camp. But if Killer Mike and Mark Lamont Hill talk to the same person, Gavin McGinnis, let's say, as Candace Owens, is going to play differently. She does not have that built up reservoir of of cultural capital. So what I'm saying is Killer Mike knows where he can go. Charlemagne's completely gone. He's gone. He's not coming back. he's, He's down for it. He had guys up there re-educating Malik Yoba, telling them that, you know, uh, there's no such thing as a natural born woman. and And he let that go on with no pushback. The same people who criticized Nori for allowing Kanye to quote unquote, lie about one thing or another. A guy could come up in there and say, "Oh, there's no such thing as a natural-born woman." and And like, oh, well, thank you for the education. so no, these 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 guys are not red pill. They're not coming over to our side. They may come halfway. Close enough for us to be able to have dialogue, but the notion that any of these guys are going to promote the natural family, are going to go hard against abortion, like Kanye, nah, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Here's why I think you may be underestimating
1: just okay. how bad things are and are going to continue to get. Killer Mike is a father, mm-hmm. and and so. Probably Charlemagne probably has some kids. I don't know Charlemagne's history that well. Yeah, he has some kids. But Mm -hmm. when you have kids and they're sitting in these schools and you're watching them get transitioned in real time by the culture that's being promoted inside these schools and what the teachers are doing. And so it's it's one thing for you to raise your hand and say, yeah, go ahead and sodomize me. I'll, I'll take it. And it'll be all good and sell block D or what. Because, again, you got this whole prison culture where, Mm. well, as as long as you didn't receive it too many times, you're really not gay. And they got all these different levels of gayness that, you know, blah, blah. And they have all that as an adult. But when you start looking at a system that is taking your five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old kid and transitioning them and putting them through, in order to be a cool kid, you better be bisexual. You better not be straight. When you start looking at that, that that's what's happening to your kids, that will make you a revolutionary. I'm seeing it with parents from nuclear families in mm-hmm. su- sub- suburbs and other places. I'm seeing them like, well, you know, I was gonna stay out of this. But now they're trying to do this to my kids. I think that will inspire. And again, it's why Bill Maher is like, really, we trying to and he ain't even got kids, but he's just like, we trying to have these conversations with kids. This is a bridge too far. It will make you. And once they figure out like this is never ending and it's going to get young, they're going to be coming for your kid in the womb. Well, let, let's stick another baby up there, a boy baby up there with a boy baby, and make them have sex in the womb. It will get that far, or we'll kill them in the womb. Well, they they may not be gay. Let's kill them. It, it's it's yeah. coming down to that. These guys are going to have no choice but to flip.
0: Or Jason, They whole let me, family let me, is. Look, there, there are a few guys, people, and, and you mentioned the parents in the suburbs. The big difference is those parents feel like they have nothing to lose. Right? They're not staring down um, multimillion dollar checks. But let me ask you a question, a very simple question. Can you think of one of these people, any entertainer, any athlete, any high profile business person, Puff, Charlemagne, Killer Mike, um, LeBron, Durant, um, anybody in the NFL, Russell Wilson? And I'm talking about the guys. Um, you know, all the guys are more than an athlete, Ryan Clark, Randy Moss. Can you think of a single one of them who would take to one of their platforms publicly and say, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union need to stop playing around. They need to counsel their son and let him know he was born a man, a born a boy, created in God's image, right? And any help that he needs to to accept the body that God has given him, that they are willing to give. Cut out all of this she crap, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he got long hair. You could buy the hair and get it get it pressed at a, at a beauty salon. But all of these, and I'm I'm still quoting them. All of these headlines on BET talking about Yas Queen, Slay Queen, is garbage. Can you think of any any of the guys that we talking about that would say that publicly today? I ain't talking about Lil Boozy. So he, he's I mean, a guy who shoot people is not I mean, he's he don't care what people think. None of these other people would say that, Jason. And you and I know that they may say it privately. And that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of things that people say privately, J- just like you and I know we've been black our whole lives. There's a lot of conversations that black folk have privately in the barbershop, in the beauty shop and the cookout at, over Thanksgiving dinner. That sound much more conservative than they do when they go public. So what I'm saying is. If you're a private revolutionary, that's that's cool. That'll protect you and your family. But when it comes down to choosing whether or not they are going to go against the establishment, these guys can even stand up. When athletes said that they didn't want to stick some far substance in their body, the guys who wrote think pieces saying the NBA was racist for making them have a dress code, the guys who say I'm for Kaepernick, he should be able to protest on the field. I'm for social justice. I'm for athletes standing up for themselves. I'm I'm for bodily autonomy. My body, my choice. When ESPN, per the the instructions handed down from Lord Fauci, said, you need to get all of those athletes vaccinated. That's exactly what they did. And even when, and and I know Wilbon's your boy. I love Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser. I'm a huge part of the Interruption fan. I used to be. I don't watch it anymore. But he couldn't channel uh, uh, Jerry Curl, uh, Will Bond from 1970s, he was on. He was on there criticizing Kyrie, just like all other guys were. All of them sold out. All of them, and they, they're not coming back because what I what I realized, and, and I sort of knew this, but but sort of being uh, uh, riding in, in 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 the in the in the car next to you, right? You you were on the main motorcycle, like in uh, Bad Boys for Life, where Will Smith was riding and Martin was next to him. I realize the 99 percent of of people in this in this world are not built for a constant barrage of direct and personal criticism. And it has made me appreciate people like you, like Justice Clarence Thomas, who are willing to take the arrows for people who come behind them and say, look, I'll take it so that you don't have to take it. Because ultimately, when they try to shut you up or shut down Clarence Thomas, what they're really aiming for is people like me who are coming after you. Because if they if they show that, look, I'm gonna flog this guy so bad publicly, he's not gonna be able to, to, his family's gonna fall apart, he's not gonna have any money, his business is gonna go close up, his endorsement deals are gonna dry up. 99.9% of people say it's not worth it. I'll just put my head down. I live in a, in a 60 acre mansion. Nope, these people can't touch me. I could I could hire nannies and au pairs and personal tutors and I'll teach my kids. I don't have to, to deal with that that uh, that stuff. So, so no, these, I, I don't see these guys. They're not coming back. They're gone. We, we need to harvest a new crop. This one needs this particular field needs to be weeded, cut down and burned and fertilized for something better to grow. Because I don't I don't see these guys making that change. They'll say, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll have conversations with people I don't disagree with. That's cool. I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. But to think that Charlemagne is all of a sudden going to say, come into breakfast club smack the 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 uh the LGBT flag. Nah. Ain't happening. Nah, no time no. soon. Well,
1: listen, you know, I can't articulate you you said so much and we're the show's already gone long. Okay. I'm going to leave it where you just left it and just tell people this is why you want to catch the cookout on Monday cuz we're going to pick mm-hmm. up right there Oh, yeah. Me, Delano, Shamika, Pastor Anthony, TJ Moe. Because th- this conversation transcends race in terms mm. of all of you men out there. How long are you going to lay back and let the alphabet mafia and these godless people just run over all of us? I do not dislike gay people. I've said it many times on this show, many times. I got a problem with gluttony and and I'm trying to correct it. I'm not trying to force it on everybody else. That's what has me in They got their lifestyle, no problem. Trying to force this on everybody and everybody gotta bow to them and we have to build a culture around them. I don't want Southwest Airlines expanding their seats so I'm more comfortable. I don't want it, it's not healthy. And so mm. I don't want their lifestyle expanded. They can have it. If I want to remain fat, I can be fat. But we're going to get into all of this on mm. Monday with the cookout. Uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, great ending to the week and this show. Let's play some Tomorrow and Freedom. And uh, we'll see you on Monday.
0: For the right sign, looking like it's my time Feeling all kinds of freedom
2: These words are our religion Our no regrets and our decisions We don't want to go to heaven with freedom It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination Raising up your hands for
0: freedom Raise up your hands for freedom I just want, I want to